Hey guys, welcome to Rough Stuff Podcast number eight. I'm Garrett, Rough Stuff CEO. I've got our CFO Mallory here with me and Morgan from our sales department, and he's also the head of our sponsorship program. Hey guys. Good morning. Hi. And we're really excited uh, today because our guest is Adrian Janik from Overholland. Hey Adrian, how are you doing? Hello, hello. I'm doing good. And where are you this morning? Um, I'm in Los Angeles. LA. Yes. I was just watching a car chase down there. It's apparently going on. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, oh, the weekly car chases in LA. I mean, it gets to the point where it's like sometimes I watch because I want to see how it ends and if the, the cops are able, you know, to do a pit maneuver or they throw in the the spike strip. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Yeah, this one was pretty boring. It was like he was just trying to blend into normal traffic on the 405 or the 101 or something. And it was like uh, these, there's like four news helicopters too. Yeah. What if it was a previous overhauling car and it just could haul <laughs> ass? <laughs> then my eyes would be glued. <laughs> You're like, I worked on that. It's going fast for a reason. That would be great. Yes, exactly. They stick out a little bit though. That's awesome. <laughs> So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, where you're from and how did you start your career? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm a Southern California girl. I grew up um, in a city called Whittier right outside Los Angeles. And, you know, it's just kind of like your small suburban, you know, city. It's, it's best known uh, for the Quakers and Nixon. So um, <laughs> that's what Whittier is best known for. But you know, I actually started my career in Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood was just a 20-minute drive away, but yet it seemed so far away because, you know, I was in the suburbs. And um, I basically got discovered in the supermarket by a modeling scout. And um, it was just kind of crazy how it happened because I was actually ready to join the Air Force. Um, and, uh, this modeling scout came in and said, Hey, you should really model. There's a local modeling contest and, you know, you should really give it a shot. And, you know, modeling really wasn't on the radar, but I thought, Hey, okay, why not? I'll go check it out. And I brought my dad, uh, just to make sure, you know, I had an adult with me cause I was still a teenager and I ended up getting like third place in a couple hundred bucks. And I thought, wow, this is a lot of money. So I kind of did this local modeling contest, uh, you know, the circuit, until finally they said, you know, you should really go to Los Angeles and see if you could get signed with an agency. Um, and I was really intimidated because to me that was like the big time. I mean, this was Los Angeles and Hollywood. And um, I tried. I went, I guess, I actually went to meet with several agents, and uh, one of them ended up signing me. And my military career never happened, but the modeling did. And, um, here I am now. So you said you were a teenager. How old were you when you were when uh, you were scouted at the supermarket? Uh, Seventeen. Seventeen. And I was going to turn eighteen in July. So I had already been talking to uh, the Air Force recruiter. I knew it was during career day. Um, so between when school ended and by the time I was eighteen, that's when the modeling scout uh, saw me. So um, when I called. When the Air Force recruiter called me, he's like, hey, you know, okay, it's time to come in, sign the papers. I said, you know, kind of a change of plans. I think I'm going to model instead. I'm going to try it out first. But if it doesn't work, can I still join the military? He said, absolutely. You have my number. Call me if anything changes. And um, over 20 years later, um, yeah, my, I, I uh, still had this crazy career in this industry. I thought I would do it for maybe two or three years and then figure it out, but it's you know, this industry has been good to me, so I have no complaints. So what was the transition from modeling to acting? Um, you know, I started doing television commercials, and um, basically the, the turning point for me in modeling, I remember I was doing this, uh, this job, and the client was just so mean. Uh, I, I was talking to the photographer, having conversation, and she basically shushed me and said, models don't talk. You have to just stand there and be pretty. Oh my gosh. And she was so mean and rude about it. And I thought, well, I like to talk, but okay. So I thought, you know what? I need to figure this out because I, I love what I do, but I don't like to be shushed. Yeah. So um, that's when I started taking uh, acting classes and commercial classes. And I made my transition from, I started doing commercials and my big break in commercials uh, was the Fanta commercial. We were going to ask, you, gonna about ask that. you about that. <laughs> How long did you do that for? I was a Fanta girl for four years. I ended up getting a four-year contract with Coca-Cola, and that really just kind of took me to the next level 
of modeling and commercials because now it was, I mean, it was so, it was everywhere. I mean, you either liked us or you hated us because that jingle just stuck yeah. in your head. <laughs> totally. And, you know, between, you know, we were on the billboards and movie theater, you know, the movie theater commercial before the movie started, radio commercials, the TV commercials. I mean, it was such a big campaign. And I almost walked out of that audition because my agent told me, okay, you have this uh, audition for this uh, Fanta commercial. It's a soda. They're bringing it back. It was popular in the 50s. Just show up, you know, and wear something colorful. I thought, okay. But little did the, the she kind of left out this really big part. She didn't tell me that I had to sing and dance right. in the, you know, for the audition. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't dance. I mean, I was on the dance team in high school, but that's as, that's as much dance that I've, you know, training as that I, you know, as that, that I've had. And singing. Well, I mean, if I could sing, I would probably be in New York on Broadway somewhere. So that, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't sing. So I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I just drove, you know, it took me an hour because of traffic into Hollywood. So, okay, whatever. I'm just going to try it and just make a fool out of myself. So when I remember when I was auditioning, I did some of my old dance moves from, from high school. And my singing, I don't even know what I sang, but I remember I was laughing the entire time because I just could picture myself of how ridiculous I looked in this audition. So I left thinking, okay, whatever, I'm just not even going to think about it. That's, I, I, I can't even, it was just dumb. So two weeks later, I get a call from my agent saying, um, okay, great, great news. You got a call back for the Fanta commercial. <laughs> and I thought, I go, are you, are, really? I did? She goes, yeah. I go, you sure it was me? She goes, yeah. I said, okay, I'll go back to the callback. So I went to the callback, same thing. They had me sing and dance, and I laughed the entire time, pretty much. I was kind of, you know, when you sing and laugh because you just feel ridiculous, yeah. and left again. And um, a week later, I get a callback. They're like, okay. My, my agent calls me and said, okay, you have a third callback. Now, this time, the Coca-Cola clients are going to be there and choreographers, and I thought, are you sure? This is, is this a mistake? Because I'm not understanding, because I am a horrible singer, and my dancing skills, well, uh, I, I can get by. So I get there, and there's, you know, maybe just a smaller group of girls, and these girls are professional dancers. They're stretching. Their legs are all up in the air, you know, that when they stretch their legs, and they're, you know, practicing their vocal, you know, warm-ups. And I'm sitting there like, I do not belong here. <laughs> so I remember, at, you know, at the time I was like, I'm a you know, huge Britney Spears fan and, you know, fan. And when she would sing and dance, she always kind of whipped her head around. So I thought, okay, I'm going to Britney Spears this audition. I'm going to whip my hair around and just, you know, do my best. And um, at the end, they called almost like a fourth callback on the spot and they called out maybe a smaller handful of us and I was one of them. And the Coca client Coca Cola client came up, he's like, you know, congratulations, you're a Fanta girl and I just stood there like, Are you kidding me? Um, so it was one of those things that, you know, one thing I learned about that audition and in this industry is you never know what people are looking for. And then I finally asked him, I was like, Okay, listen, why 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 am I a Fanta girl? I'm not a professional dancer. And clearly I cannot sing based on my audition. They said, no, you were laughing and having fun the entire time. And that's what Fanta represents is fun. And they're like, don't worry about the singing. You're going to lip sync anyway. I thought, okay. <laughs> that's so, awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So me being an idiot basically got me the job. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. You're just having fun with it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was, uh, that's. That was that was honestly a fun job, probably one of the best jobs I've had to date. Because Coca Cola was such an amazing client to work for. Did all the Fanta girls get along? Um, you know what we did, but <laughs> there was at one point where because we the the commercials really took off and were so popular, one of the girls' boyfriends at the time wanted to be our manager and really make us into this real pop group, kind of like the Spice Girls. Okay. And I was like, um, you know, we're under contract with Coca-Cola, and basically they own us right now and our image and the whole fan. I don't think it's possible. So 
and you know it was it was true i mean the idea was nice but i was like i am not a pop singer this is rich. i mean i'm fine being a santa girl and playing this character and playing this pop character but to do it in real life i i didn't see it working um but for the most part we all got along i mean obviously you're gonna have different personalities but for the most part you know they were a great group of girls to work with Oh, that's good. So how did you get connected from your amazing career as a Fanta girl to overhauling? Because it's kind of a, a interesting transition. Yeah, you know, it, it's like, okay, here I am singing and dancing with a soda to going into a <laughs> shop with a bunch of greasy uh, parts and guys. And um, so basically what happened was I was also getting into acting and I was hired to do the pranks on the show. Uh, because Chris and Chip were getting, um, you know, they're getting a little bit too recognized at the time. So they were Mm -hmm. starting to bring in different actors. So I did a few pranks and it was really fun. And, um, and then the first uh, co-host Courtney Hansen, uh, she had left to pursue other opportunities. So they were like, okay, we need a new co-host. Hey, AJ, can you be the new co-host? And I'm thinking, um, well, I, I don't know about cars and, um, I, I don't know. I was like, I, I don't think I'm the right girl for this job. And they said, no, 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 you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And I said, okay, let me think about it. Thought about it. And I said, okay, I'll take the job, but don't make me pretend that I know about cars because from what I've seen, the, the automotive industry knows who's a fake and who's not. So if I can ask the questions that the audience at home would be asking, let's say, you know, there's a girlfriend or the wife or even guys that want to learn about cars, let me be let me be their voice and ask the questions that they would genuinely be asking. So I kind of took that approach, and um, being in the shop with Chip and the A team, you can't help but catch the car bug. Like before, I didn't understand it, and all the sounds and the smells and the tools honestly really intimidated me, and I was scared. I thought, what the heck did I just get myself into? I mean, one thing is faking, singing, and dancing with a soda. Another thing is trying to make your way and find your place in a shop where, yeah. you know, this is this is a whole different ball game. But I just I really wanted to learn and I, and I thought it was wow, this is really cool. So not only did I want to prove to myself that I belong there, but I also wanted to prove to the audience that hey, you know, yes, I come from a modeling background, but I'm willing to learn and you know, let me show you, let me show you, let me prove to you, you know, what I could do. So it was, you know, a challenge that I put on myself. And um, I, I, I think it paid off. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I think it was one of those things that I, you know, it took a while to win the audience over. Um, because like I said, the automotive world, you know, they, they want like real car people when they watch the show. They don't want just somebody to kind of be like, hey, you know, this is like the spokesmodel. It's, you know, I'm not a car model. You know, I, I want to have a voice in this industry and, and also learn at the same time. So it was definitely challenging and, and hard at the beginning. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There were a lot of tears, you know, behind the scenes where I was like, what am I doing? This is, it, it was overwhelming. And I was like, damn, I should have took shop class in, in <laughs> high school or something. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It, it really, the, I had the best, I have the best teachers in the world. I mean, Chip is, you know, amazing at what he does. And the A-team could not have been nicer and really just kind of showing me their, you know, the tools and, you know, just kind of my way around the shop and until I was comfortable. So it's been fun. I almost think it's more impressive that you didn't know anything and you got to where you're at and, you know, you're on a really successful show than someone who maybe was doing it as a kid with their dad or whatever, you know, it just shows how persistent you are and also that you're able to pick up something that you didn't have experience in. So it's really impressive. Oh, thank you. And, and yeah, and that's what I want to, you know, also, you know, not only just show other women and girls or just anybody in particular, it's like if you put your mind to something, you can do it. And I, and I feel like I'm the perfect, perfect example. I didn't have a dad that, you know, worked on cars or, you know, in the shop, he comes from the aerospace industry, works with different types of engines, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, airplanes and fighter jets. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that if you really find something and it clicks and you really want to learn something, the only person that stops you is yourself. Yeah. yeah so I, th- I think also what, it, what, what I see there too, is you came at it with a really humble a- outlook on it. Like you weren't, you know, 
arrogant about it and like so not you know just being straight up with yourself and with everyone else you know saying that you don't know what's what's going on just and and willing to learn um was obviously super important versus being something you're trying to portray something that you're not you actually just like hey i'm learning and yeah yeah. you know and you probably had some really great teachers you had all the specialists of you know the body guys and the paint guys and the you know engine tranny you got you get all the all the top tips yeah, I'm the worst liar, so you would know. <laughs> you know, I just I can't lie. Like it's so funny because one of my one of my close friends, she tells me, she goes, You wear your expression all over your face. So she goes, It's just I'm just the worst liar. And to me, honesty is the best policy and I just feel it's important to ask questions and, and I've learned too that, you know, when I've asked Chip a question or one of the A teams a question, like, Hey, how does this work? They are more than happy to show you how it works or to teach you. It's you know, the automotive industry, I found that are probably some of the nicest, most down-to-earth people, and they want to, they want to teach you because they're proud of, you know, what they know, and they want to pass on their knowledge. And, you know, I've learned everything from, you know, uh, how to weld. I mean, I'm not the best welder, but um, it was, you know, cool working with a, with a welding, you know, all those tools and, you know, how to sand down uh, Bondo in a paint booth and priming and spraying color and uh, it's just it's honestly has been such an amazing experience and I I cannot be more grateful for just this crazy ride on overhauling as far as the show is gone because I've actually watched this show since before I could drive um really like I was just speed channel was on it was either that or uh you know any any other ones on velocity or you know I guess now it's velocity but um Anyway, I've been a huge fan of, of Chip and A Team and you guys and Chris for the whole for almost its entire run. Now, a thing that I've noticed from the older shows to the new ones is you guys don't uh, play with the customer for a week. You guys prank him once now and don't actually like quote unquote steal the car anymore. Is that did like law enforcement get involved with that or is there insurance <laughs> liability or what happened with that? Well, yeah, back in what, what I call the old school overhauling, uh, we would prank the the mark. And we would prank him for the entire week. Mm-hmm. So during that week, we would be working on the car. And we would redo the entire car in seven days, which is honestly unheard of That's um, in this industry. I mean, sometimes it takes a week just to prime a car. You know what I mean? So, um, so of course, you know, we're going to give him this, ba- this beautiful show car. So we've got to, you know, prank them. Uh, but now in the new overhauling, we're a little older. <laughs> so we need more time and more sleep. Um, but we basically prank them at the beginning and we mess because we still got to mess with them. I mean, it wouldn't be overhauling without messing with the, with the mark. Of course not. Uh, but then we reveal them, then we reveal it to them basically at the end of the prank, but mm-hmm. they're still kind of in the dark. They're not going to see the car until the end. Right. Gotcha. Um, what about the SEMA battle of the builders? I know, um, you have a role in that. Like how, when did you get started with that and and uh, and what what is the battle of the builders? Can you explain that a little bit further? Yeah, so SEMA Battle of the Builders. I've been uh, hosting that show for six years, um, and the past years I've uh, hosted co-hosted with Tanner Faust, who is amazing. I mean, between Chris Jacobs and Tanner Faust, I mean, I've I have the best co-host in the world. Uh, but basically, SEMA Battle of the Builders is a competition show at SEMA. And basically, whichever car is at SEMA, they can enter uh, this competition. So there's four categories. There's hot road, hot rod and muscle car, truck and off-roading, uh, import, and uh, sport compact, and uh, the young guns. Uh, so there's, yeah, that was four, correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I, I can count. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so we have judges for each of those categories. So... A judge from a hot rod and muscle car will narrow it down. Truck and off-road will narrow it down to and so until they have, I want to say, 40, uh, because they get hundreds and hundreds of submissions, and every year the, sub, the amount of submissions just increases. So once they announce the top 12, so now you have four cars from each category, uh, three, six, nine, three cars from each category. I, I'm, it's Friday. Uh, it's uh, bear Friday. with my brain. Um, and I was never good at math. Um, so now the the builders of each of these 12 cars 
now become the judges. So the judges go away, and now the builders become the judges. And uh, during SEMA, they pull the cars up on stage, and the builders have 10 minutes to say why their car is the best. And, they, you know, so the builders get to walk around the car, make their notes. So they can vote. They have to vote for who they think is the best, but they cannot vote for themselves. So I think that's what makes this show unique because the builders are the judges because they have an eye. They obviously have a different eye than um, anyone else. And it's just a great competition uh, and an added feature, bonus feature at SEMA. And uh, the winners revealed at SEMA Ignited, which is then open to the public because SEMA is basically uh, for industry only. Um, but we do the competition outside, so basically anybody um, – can come see the show and the judging and it's just it's a really neat competition and I always say I'm glad I'm not a judge on that show because the caliber of cars every year just gets better and better and I honestly love the young guns they're actually my favorite category because to me they're the future of this industry and it's really neat seeing them up on stage with other builders who they look up to and it's just it's just a really neat thing to see that's awesome so, um, what other shows do you go to besides SEMA? Um, I was actually just at the Grand National Roadster Show, and I was there with my garage calendar. Uh, so it was it was really cool to be there because I, for some reason, had not been to the Grand National Roadster Show. So to see all these beautiful cars, and I actually got a chance to walk the show a little bit this time because SEMA. I'm there every year, but I don't get a chance to enjoy it because I always have to be from point A to point B yeah. to point C. So I'm always working that I don't get to enjoy SEMA the way other people do. So at Grand National Roadster Show, it was kind of refreshing to just kind of walk around and just see all these beautiful cars and um, and just be there with my calendar and, you know, meet fans of the show and talk to builders. So it was a fun show. So I'm, I'm starting to do the car circuit a little bit more this year because I haven't had a chance to in the past. So I'm excited about uh, this year's uh, car show circuit. Where is that show at? Um, it's at the Pomona Fairplex. Oh, um, cool. And it's, it's uh, for three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you have, there's everything from, you know, the, the roadsters, muscle cars, trucks. There's even vintage bikes. So it's just a little something for everybody. And it's a pretty neat show. That sounds fun. Do you, do you do the uh, do you ever go to like any of the off-road shows like the off-road expo? You know, my son loves the off-road expo um and he's gone to it with his dad and um I have not done uh, gone to the off-road expo but maybe I'll I'll be there this year cuz my son just loves it. Yeah, yeah, it's a really 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 neat show. It's one of my yeah. one of my favorites and I just wanted to comment as far as being at a show and kind of just working. That's how KOH feels when we're down there is like everybody else is kind of on vacation. They're on their wheeling trip uh, and that's their whole week. And we're down there working and running the booth and fixing rigs and whatnot. So it's uh, just saying we get it. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you? Yeah. It's, it's different being at a show when you have to work. I mean, it's, it's great. People think, wow, that you're so lucky you get to be there. It's like, yeah, it, it's great, but we don't get to enjoy it like, everybody else yeah yeah for sure are you familiar with the king of the hammers uh up there in north la like johnson valley no i'm not really okay yeah that that, that morgan you want to explain the king of the hammers a little bit so king of hammers is probably the biggest off-road event of the year that i that i can think of uh, i think we're getting we're pushing close to sixty thousand people on the lake bed this year mm-hmm. um so it's you know it's a week straight there's ultra four races they threw the trophy trucks in there last year so there's a bunch of different classes racing. Uh, it's it's basically this city emerges out of the desert in Johnson Valley, and they, you know they run power and internet and lights, and they've got a jumbotron, and it basically it's just all, you know, all centered around the racing that happens in the in the canyons and trails around that area. And it's that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's just a, a just a blur of a week. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so what we do down there is, you know, while all these uh, racers are trying to either pass tech or they're qualifying and they're breaking stuff we run a free repair pit we bring down lincoln generators lincoln has uh sponsored us as well as uh rugged radios uh, tough stuff and ims metals to supply the the metal 
And this year we got DeWalt and Raceland Wheels and Milestar Tires on there as well. So lots of sponsors are getting attracted to that. And uh, we're just down there doing free repairs for whether you're there spectating and you broke your own rig trying to get to the trail or you're racing and you bro- broke something and you need something fixed to get back into that or back into qualifying seat or something like that. So there's a, just like I said, lots of going on. I think we, I think we fixed 250 vehicles last year. Yeah. It's about 250 roughly every year. And then I think like years ago we even fixed like, we were one, busy. Oh yeah. We're super busy. And there's only that there's only like what, four or five welders that we have down there. Yeah. Yeah. Four welders, a couple other helpers, but yeah, it's just kind of a, a small crew every year. One of the, one of the year, years ago we fixed, we fixed a, um, one of the security guards, they, they, they busted a hole in, the oil, in their oil pan and uh and so they came welded that up and then i i remember i we just get a bunch of funny fixes like i did a weld uh, project one year where some guy broke did the same thing busted his oil pan but it was an aluminum oil pan and so we didn't have any aluminum with us but i had a tig welder and he went to like walmart and got like an aluminum uh like yardstick or ruler and we cut it up and pat and welded the uh welded the ruler on the bottom of the oil pan to get out <laughs> Oh my God. It's like, it's almost like you have to be creative in situations like that. It's like, okay, this is the best I can do and we got to make it work. It's totally, it's totally about creativity with like the the stuff we're doing for sure. And actually everyone else down there, there's so many people, um, as far as like besides our pit, like a lot of other people bring down welders and do a lot of repairs and they repair on the trail because there's this race, the main race is, I don't know, like what, 200 miles or something like that or something like that this year. So it's a, it's a, it's a long, long race all day yeah so. i mean sometimes i mean something like that it's almost like you know i've heard so many stories from the baja 500 and the baja 1000 that you know if you break down you're in the middle of nowhere and you're waiting for your chase crew or something you just sometimes you just have to be creative yeah and you know get either get the car i mean get the trophy truck or whatever you know whatever class you're driving at i heard the spilt is like the worst thing to get stuck in. It is. Yeah. It, that, and it's almost like you have to be creative to try and try and get your, your vehicle out of that. I mean, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of documentaries and then there was uh, uh, Dust to Glory, uh, the second part. Did you ever watch the, the second part one, of, of, one of that One of my movie? favorites, yeah. I watched part, I watched I part mean, two in theaters. That was, uh, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I watched that too. And it's, I mean, I didn't realize how much goes into this race. I mean, cause I have a lot of friends that do the, the Baja races. And when I watched the movie theater, it had not only so much emotion, but just everything that goes into it. And I thought, wow, whole new respect. I mean, it's, it's, it was so well done too. I mean, I really, really enjoyed that, that film. And I, you know, on touching on that subject, I can't believe some of those guys do like the Iron Man. Well, they're going to do a thousand miles on a bike or in the truck by themselves during this race uh that is crazy that's just major cojones (laughs) yeah so um i also understand that you own a pontiac firebird and that's one of my dream cars which what year do you own i have a 68 firebird and that is i would say she is my first baby on four wheels i mean i love that car like it's i actually brought her with me to um the Grand National Roadster Show. I had her in a booth and it, I hadn't taken her out, you know, to a car show in a really long time. You know, after I had my son, you know, real life happens. You know, I have a child now and, you know, everything kind of gets pushed to the back burner. Um, so it was really fun to have her there and kind of show her off. But I just love that car. I love Pontiac. I'm just, I'm a little obsessed. And that's, that's the best year. That's like the one I want. Um, it is. Is it a coupe it or is, a convertible? Um, it's a coupe. It's a coupe. And to me, the, the, the crown jewel of that car is the front bumper. It's just that chrome bumper. To me, it's, I just, I, I just love it. I mean, because the 69, you know, it's kind of cut in half. I mean, it's, it's shortened where, you know, the 68 is that you have this beautiful, uh, front bumper. And to me, that's, that's like her crown. And that is the best part of it because they change. I don't like the 69 yeah. front ends. The 67s are similar, but a little, you know, a little different, but the 68, that's that one year that's just, um, they got it right. Yeah. When I was at, well, yep. I, I grew up kind of at a daycare and one of the, it's a long story. The owner's son-in-law basically built one of the, like a 68 into the a drag car in the garage. And I basically watched this thing get built when I was like six years old. And I was like, that's the car. Wow. That's like, yeah. 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 He'd, he'd fire that up and wait in the whole neighborhood wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of funny how, you know, you have something like that, that, you know, it's, it's ingrained in your head. Cause my dad had a 68 
GTO, and I have all these cool pictures of him. Well, actually, it's my mom posing in front of his car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like here I am with this. You know, there's some, some similarities. Like the hood is very similar with I, I like to call like the little nostrils on on the top. And it just reminds me of my dad's GTO, which I wish he still had. I was like, Dad, why did you? sell the car he's like well i didn't know um but just i just pontiac to me it's just i to me it's like the epitome of muscle car i just think they they got it right and my my next green dream car is um either 69 but more 70 uh gto judge to me that is like the car so it's like i always say my car needs a a boyfriend and i think the judge would be a perfect (laughs) match why is your car a girl you keep calling her a she what made you think that she should be a girl well my car because i call her the diva because she's such a diva like it's you know just the sound when i turn on the engine and the exhaust it just screams get out of my way and i was like oh she's she's this car's a diva it's it's a she so now now she needs a boyfriend and i think the judge is it i'm gonna i'm gonna make a you know, have a match made in heaven. I'm going to have an arranged marriage for these I for my car. It. Does she have a name? Yeah, the diva. It's oh, no, it's the diva. diva. Okay, okay <laughs> great. I yeah, love the it. Diva. That's awesome. So yeah. we also heard on another podcast that you worked for Ford. Is that was that true? Uh, Ford Models, not Ford Motor Company. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> we okay. weren't sure. Okay. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, yeah. I was happy because you know people in the automotive world they're like, "Oh, you work for Ford Motor Company." I was like, "No, it was Ford Modeling Agency." So <laughs> totally you know, different same aspects. Last names, totally different uh, uh, industries. Did you put it on your resume but, for overhaul? And you're like, "Yeah, I worked for Ford." They don't ask which one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. They're like, "That's probably why." They're like, "Hey, you make a great co-host." You know, you work for Ford. That's awesome. <laughs> no, no, it's a different industry. Got it. So on, um, used to be, be a host of another show called fit famous and fabulous. And I saw you did some jujitsu and some MMA and stuff. Are you still training or can, can you tell me more about that? You know, oh, well, fit famous and fabulous honestly was another fun show. I mean, I just, honestly, I hosting wasn't on the radar. Um, you know, I was hoping to get more into scripted, but you know, one opportunity comes and then another one follows. So uh, Fit, Famous, and Fabulous is basically a show about following celebrities for a day and basically try and pick their brains to see how they stay fit, famous, and fabulous. <laughs> so it was really neat because I got to hang out with, uh, you know, ask, you know, let's, for example, Josh Barnett, who's an MMA fight, fighter. I got to go to his gym, train with him. Um, they even had me kind of, uh, I guess, grapple against uh, another guy that was, you know, my height and weight. Um, I got to train with, uh, Kendra Wilkinson. We did an NFL workout. She's a huge football oh, fan. Cool. And we ended up becoming like best friends. Okay. Um, and, uh, let's see who else I, I got to, uh, ride bikes and you learn how to be earth friendly with, uh, Ed Bagley Jr. I mean, it was, it was just crazy. All these people that I met. And just kind of spent the day with them. So it was a really fun show. That sounds fun. You get the fun shows. That's cool. Yeah, I was asking. I was curious because yeah. Mallory and I have been training jiu-jitsu for the last two years. So, and I've just become like completely addicted. So yeah. <laughs> as soon as he heard you say you the word grappling. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I mean, we did the warm-up. Josh had me do the warm-up. And then, you know, I got to get in the cage um, with, with another fighter. And I have to say, I was so sore for days and then I had bruises on my body that I thought oh yeah wait a minute where these come from I mean they he really he was like okay if you're gonna do this we're gonna do this he goes I don't care tv or not he goes I'm gonna try this is I'm gonna train you and the (laughs) warm-up itself was insane um so it's um yeah definitely it was a cool show because I got to experience a lot of different workouts that I was either scared of or intimidated by so it was it was um, a fun show to kind of you know uh, just kind of experience different things and I even got to do gymnastics with Antonio Sabata Jr. I had no idea he uh, was a was a gymnast and I got to train at this gym where it was this legit hardcore gymnastic gym and I remember when I was a kid I wanted to be an Olympic gymnast but at ten years old I'm already like five six so that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but it was kind of that that was another uh workout that I literally could not walk the next day. My legs 
we're just done. Like yeah. in much respect to all athletes out there because it's tough. It's really tough on the body. So, but it was fun. It was definitely a fun show, but I would say my favorite segments were the food segments <laughs> because I was like, I kind of rather eat. Um, and that's probably why I retired from modeling because I just, you know, food is just delicious. Yes. And I just, you know, it was, it was one of those things, my turning point when I became pregnant with my son, I mean, I just went crazy. I was eating everything that I was not allowed to eat when I was modeling. Uh, I, I mean, from mac and cheese to meats. I mean, I was like a beef and potatoes girl. I just became one when I was pregnant. And I thought, you know what? After I have my son, you know, I have to rethink the modeling. I probably modeled for another two years after I had him. And then I just, it just changed because I just, I just like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, you, see, you see the world and everything differently. And I just did not want to stress about my weight or what size I was. I'm like, you know, there's more important things like my son and being healthy. Mm-hmm. So um, I enjoy the food segments a lot. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'll be a taste tester for anybody. Totally. So hopefully we can. Cook, yeah. But I will eat. Hopefully we'll see you on the Food Network soon. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be great. But see, but I don't cook. But then, but then again, I think, okay, I, I didn't know how to work on cars before overhauling. Yeah. So you never know. But I, I prefer being a taste tester. I will be yeah, a taste tester Yeah, you could just be a judge day. on any show. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> yes. Okay. We'll, yes. We'll put it I, out I, in the I, I, I like to say I, I, I'll have a good palate for food. <laughs> good. There's a crossover there with food trucks. You can jump right into that industry. You know, just yeah, transition from cars to there and just try all the best food trucks. Start in the stealing there food trucks and yeah. make them better. <laughs> yeah. Overhaul, <laughs> overhaul a food truck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because food trucks are a big thing in Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. we've got some gourmet food trucks here. So, um, yeah, I will be more than happy to sample each and every food truck in Los Angeles. <laughs> That'll be a great show. That's awesome. So why did Overholland come back for another season? I like to say it's the power of the people. Uh, the fans have been wanting the show to come back. And I, I know I would be, I would get lots of messages. Chris would get lots of messages. Chip would, you know, bring the show, bring, bring, you know, bring the show back. And I would, you know, I respond, it's me on social media. People always ask, is this really you? And I have to say, yes, it's me. I like to be in control of what's on my pages and what, you know, what's being said. Um, So I would always respond and said, Hey, you know, if you really want the show back, please, you know, send messages to the network. And, um, and I think with the popularity of a lot of older shows kind of coming back and, you know, coming back for, for a new season, um, I think discovery, uh, discovery network was like, you know what? People want the show back. They love the show. Uh, so let's, let's bring it back. So they asked Chip first and he said, absolutely, but he wouldn't do it without, uh, Chris or myself. So then they asked Chris because, you know, Chris doesn't have a contract with discovery, um, already. And he said, absolutely. And then when they asked me, I was like, well, who's coming back? And they said, well, Chip said yes. And Chris said yes. I'm like, well, it's a no brainer. Sold. I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yes. Count me in. As far as how real this was, you guys did do, you know, at least for the older shows that that actually happened in seven days. You guys did that in seven days. It wasn't yes. one of the ones like you know, some of the other shows where they make it look like seven days, but it's a three month build. Cause that's just the caliber of work that chip and that team puts out to do all that in a week. And that, you know, the drama of the show, like, Hey, we got this car, we sent it to sandblasting and then like half the car didn't come back. Now we've got to spend an extra day on the body work that just watching that and then trying to put this thing all together and wire it and plumb it before the end of the week. Uh, that's just mad props. I'm a total gearhead and I'd, I don't even watch TV much anymore. It's just kind of go home and in my garage, that's my, that's my place. So to, to see that happening, I'm like, well, I, I would have taken about five years to do all that. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I think back to what we used to do on the show and we did not get a lot of sleep or rest because mm-hmm. it was just moving parts like for seven days solid where mm-hmm. the newer episodes, uh, we do the car. It takes, depending on the car and, and parts, you know, and the accessibility of the parts, I would say anywhere from two to three weeks. So we get a little bit more time, a little bit more rest um, and sleep, especially Chip, you know, because he still has his shop and he's got other projects uh, that he needs to get done. So um, they gave us a little more time between, you know, for each episode, mm-hmm. but even three weeks. I was going to say, even still, three is, is like a blink of an eye in a build yeah. like that. So. 
Um, exactly. Did you have a favorite out of all the cars that we've seen go across that show? Did you have a favorite that you personally liked or maybe a favorite car or maybe a favorite Mark or a favorite story that a Mark had? Uh, yes, I definitely have a favorite car and favorite episode, which are the same. Um, and that's the episode where Chip and I traded places, where Chip became the co-host okay. and I became the lead designer. And the way that came about was we were just kind of joking around and Chip was like, oh, I could be a co-host. Your job is easy. I have the hard job. And I was like, oh, really? I go, okay, Chip, can you read a teleprompter? Can you, you know, do stand-ups and, and, you know, kind of report on the car? He goes, oh, yeah, I could totally do that. I was like, okay, well, then I could totally design a car. So production heard that. They're like, okay, let's do a Trading Spaces uh, episode. There'll be an episode where uh, Chris becomes the designer, Chip becomes my co-host, and then I become the designer, and then Chris and Chip were the the host. Mm Mm-hmm. So the the uh, episode where I became the designer, it was uh, for a 63 Mercury Comet uh, for a young girl um, at the time. I think she was about 20. And after we sent that car to Media Blast, it was, and it came back, it was in the worst condition. Mm-hmm. We nicknamed it Frankencar because it had holes in it. It was completely rusted out. You could tell, you know, whoever did the work before it kind of patched you know, just it was horrible metal work. And I thought, wow, out of all the cars, this is the car I get. Not only do, and at the time, too, I was still trying to prove myself on the show. So mm-hmm. it was almost like this was kind of like my final exam. Like, let's see how much I've learned and how much Chip and the A-Team have taught me. And so there was, a, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself for this particular episode because I had been, I already had been on the show for about a year and, um, I felt like this was a turning point on my, uh, in my automotive career, not just on the show, but also for the audience. And what happened was at the end of the episode, I had to walk around with Chip and show what I did to the car, why I did it, the paint colors, interior, exterior. So when we came to the rear of the car, um, I point, I looked at it and Chip and the A-Team made a plate that said AJ Designs. Oh, wow. And (laughs) he said, congratulations. He goes, you did an amazing job. Welcome to the family. And Mm. I just cried. (laughs) And I think from that point, that was the only time I've cried on Overhaul, and by the way. I mean, I I keep it together. But that, to me, just was like, okay, I passed. I think I'm accepted now. I think... I, I can do this. And when you from made then, it. from that point on, yeah, I think not only the audience accepted me, but also Chip and the A-Team. It's like, okay, you earned your place in this shop. It's like, okay, let's get to work now. And that's, that that's honestly was big. Yeah, I earned my stripes. That's awesome. So um, it was a great moment. I mean, honestly, it's like I, I do not cry on this show. That's it's, I see other <laughs> grown men cry, but that was the one time that I – the emotions came out and because it just, it meant a lot to me. There was a lot behind that plate just meant everything to me. Did you pick out the colors for the paint job for the comet? Oh yeah. That comet was, was all me. I mean, I, you know, cause I met with the insider and which is her mom. And she uh, told me at the time, you know, what she wanted and just the whole color scheme, the interior from the emblems, all that was all me. I mean, Chip, of course, was there to guide me. Yeah. Um, and he did the rendering because I cannot draw. I was going to ask um, if you did the rendering because his, his artwork with those I is, tried. is pr- yeah. <laughs> I, I tried. My my drawing skills are just as good as my singing skills. So, <laughs> Uh, so he did the actual rendering, uh, but no, but it was all me. It's like he, he was there to guide me, but I, I made all the decisions as far as, you know, what went on that car. And I think you can still, you can watch that moment where Chip gives me the plate on YouTube and it's still, you know, I actually watched it the other day. I was like, wow, it still gets me because it's just, um, you know, it really, really meant a lot to me what him and the guys did for me. So, uh, but no, that, that episode is one of my favorites just because, I had a lot of work to do on that car and a lot to prove. Yeah, for sure. Well, it sounds like you did it. You did the job. Yes, yes. So what can you tell us about this new season of Overhauling? Uh, well, this new season of Overhauling um, is on Motor Trend On Demand. So you could stream um, all new episodes and past episodes. So if you kind of want to binge watch Overhauling, uh, you have to get the Motor Trend app. 
and um, we're doing newer cars too um, on this season. We still have some older cars, but we also have some newer cars because you know we want to uh, bring in a newer, younger audience as well, um, and also to something that's a little bit more attainable for the viewer. You know, because we've done a couple of uh, newer Mustangs, um, early 2000 trucks, so it's kind of neat to see what Chip does to newer models just to make kind of give it that cool edge to it. And the pranks have been stepped up. Uh, there's been uh, an episode where Chris and Chip get prosthetics to make them into old men. Yes, so it was like that. overhaul in 2050. Um, so that was fun. And then there was an episode, I think it's going to go down in, in uh, overhaul and prank history, where Chris actually gets knocked out by the person we were pranking. Oh, wow. I mean, he really pushed his button. Yeah. Oh. So nice. pranks have been stepped up and, you know, we're doing a little bit newer cars. I'm in the paint booth more. I found my happy place. And um, I'm just, I just love being in that paint booth, uh, priming and spraying color. And hopefully uh, soon I will graduate to spraying clear. So it's still a learning process. I'm still learning as I go. Uh, tons of props for that. I do not have the patience for body work. <laughs> That's the fun part. I'm surprised someone hasn't gotten knocked out sooner, honestly, yeah. <laughs> after all those years. Yeah, um, Chris, Chris has been pretty funny with his pranks. Like, I remember one, he was pretending to be a bum or something like that, and ended up having an interaction with the guy and then stealing his car or something of the sort. But yeah, like I said, longtime fan. I love that show. Feels like I'm talking but to a celebrity. Chris is good right at now. it. You know, he, he really knows how to press the buttons at the right moments. That's why he does the majority of the pranks. I mean, if there's a prank where. Let's say they need me. Okay, that's great. But Chris, that's that's kind of like his thing. Just like being in the paint booth is my thing. And I think that's why it all works with all of us because we we kind of have our niche on the show. And um, it's just, you know, we just work well together. We have such a great working relationship. And Chris is like a, you know, like a brother to me. And so is uh, Chip. And we play jokes on each other. And, you know, we don't step on each other's toes. You know, it's like, like I said, you know, Chris likes to do pranks. I love being in the paint booth. You know, Chip is great at creating. So, you know, we all we have all we all have our job, and um, it's just fun to work together. What do you think? Uh, what do you think your toughest or greatest achievement, like in your professional or personal career, has been up to this point? Oh gosh! Wow. I mean, I always—it's one of those things that I—if I, someone were to have told me when I was a teenager, you know, here I am about to join the Air Force, um, that I would be on this automotive show you know, rebuilding cars and being in a paint booth, I would have been like, are you guys on crack? Like, what are you talking about? It's, it's, it's what is, I just feel grateful because every stage of my career, um, you know, from let's say modeling, you know, I, I land the Fanta commercial. That was a great opportunity and a turning point, which led into overhaul and overhaul. And I never thought I would even know how to test fit an engine and transmission. So that has been an accomplishment. And honestly, I mean, for 15 years to be in an industry that I had to work hard for and now accept it, I would say overhauling has been great. And honestly, that, that has been a great achievement because, you know, as a, as a woman, auto body work and just being in a shop is intimidating. So to come in and conquer that and still, like I said, I'm still learning that I would say is, is my greatest achievement uh, career-wise, just because it's it's an industry I never thought I would venture into, and here I am now, 15 years later, and it's been so good to me. So, and then on a personal note, I know it's going to be sound sappy, but I'm a proud mama, and it's, my son is just just the greatest little little guy. It's, it's really fun and neat watching the world through his eyes, and I bring him with me on set sometimes, and. Uh, Chip always, you know, has him, because uh, he just turned 10, so now he can kind of help out behind the scenes, and Chip will be like, okay, you know what, help me grab this bumper, or help me, you know, take this off, so he's kind of, you know, learning as he goes, and he loves off-roading and trophy trucks, and loves going to the off-road expo, so I think he's kind of catching the car bug, and it's just really fun to be able to share what I've been learning with him, so that, that, that just makes it that much better that is so fun getting them started early yeah <laughs> yeah uh on your i i mean we're checking out your instagram and um i think what on the uh title or on the uh the bio the bio it says uh you're a certified dork 
What's the, how, yes, how, how, did you, how did you get that certification? Yeah, we want to know. Yeah. Because, <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because it kind of happened in acting class. And I don't know, I just like making people laugh. And even at my expense. And the, the, the scenes that I love the most were comedy, where either I was clumsy, but not on, not on purpose. Like, I just, I'm just naturally clumsy. And it just somehow would always work its way into the scene. And people would just bust up laughing whether I would walk into a scene. It's supposed to be a serious scene. And I tripped. Or I, I remember one scene I did where I was supposed to come in, sit on the edge of the couch, but, I, but little did I know that the couch was kind of fake and it was just foam, so I completely <laughs> fell. Oh, wow. Um, but just, so I just feel like I'm just a dork, and I love, I just learned that I, just, I love make, you know, to make people laugh. And, you know, if overhauling goes away again, my next job, I would love to do a comedy and just you know, just basically be myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm one of those people where, you know, I don't care if my hair is messy. There's times where I don't wash my hair for days or my outfit doesn't match. It's like, oh, well, whatever. Like, I just, I honestly don't care. Yeah. So if I can just kind of be myself and be my clumsy self and, and make people laugh on a, on a comedy, then to me, that would be an awesome job. So that's that's kind of like next on my radar because I think it's fun. I, I love being kind of dorky and silly and, you know, and I think the best part is, that is because I don't care. You know, who cares about being perfect? There is no such thing as perfect. So, um, you know, I just want to make people laugh. Would you ever consider doing a reality show of your own, like the world of AJ or something funny like that? No, I'm not really meant for reality. I mean, there's there's been a lot of my friends that have done reality shows, and I've been on the shows with them, you know, as a friend. Mm -hmm. But I think for reality, you have to put yourself out there, which includes your family, your home. True. And I'm not willing to open that door because, you know, my son's very shy, um, and I don't know if he wants to be in this industry or not, and so I don't think it's fair to him to put him in the spotlight if he doesn't want to. And also, too, when you open that door, you open the door for criticism. Yeah. So I'm not ready to open up my personal life to the world. To me, that's the one thing that I kind of protect. So, um, no, I, I would rather just stick to scripted and, you know, just work with great writing and great directors mm -hmm. and, you know, work with other uh, actors that just want to make a great show or movie. So, but reality TV, I don't think it's for me. And plus, I may be dorky and silly, but I'm also boring. Like, you're not <laughs> going to find me drunk, you know, on on the on the sidewalk and you know starting doing fights. Something, yeah. You know, still, yeah. No, that's just not me. I, I'm I because I think with reality TV, you have to kind of be extreme with things. Yeah. And a little bit more drama based because that's what. The, you know, ratings are good. That's what the ratings are. Uh, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't think reality TV is, is for me. Absolutely. Do you have any role models in your life who have really influenced you um, and sort of, you know, mentored you? Um, I don't have particular role model per se. I mean, as far as the automotive industry, there's a lot of builders I look up to that are, that I've become friends with. Um, so I just, I just kind of look up to them and their work. And like I said, I ask questions. Um, I mean, I would say there's different people in, in the industry, like in the modeling industry, there were a couple of models, um, that I looked up to, um, and actually have become friends with. It's crazy. Cause you know, the, here there, they were these supermodels in the nineties and, you know, now we're friends and those are the, you know, the women now that are also moms and they're still working, um, an automotive industry, like I said, I've met builders that I look up to. So, and I think each each category of industry, there's there's a few that I just you know kind of look up to, and um, you know just I, I I admire because they're they're working moms and or they're just parents and they're you know once the camera stops rolling, they're just normal people. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to be. That's that's I like being normal and boring. That's <laughs> that's. That's the best way to describe me. It's like, you know, when I'm not working, I'm a PTA mom. I pick up my son from school, you know, take him to his basketball practice and, you know, go to his games, prepare snacks for the kids. So, yeah, I'm just, just a normal working mom. 
That's awesome. Do you have any other like projects or any other shows that you're that are in the works that you want to talk about that you can talk about or? Um, well, Battle of the Builders just aired on the History Channel, and I'm sure they'll repeat it. Uh, and I'll find out when the reruns are. Um, I'll post that on my social media pages. And um, I'm still working on Overhauling. We're we're trying to wrap up the season. And um, after Overhauling, uh, all three of us will probably take a much needed break because we've been filming since July. So wow. um, it's been it's been crazy since then. And then you know, in between all that, we had. SEMA, and then I was filming Battle of the Builders, and then two weeks after SEMA, we all went to Saudi Arabia for their big car show there, and then, I mean, it's just, it's been a whirlwind of uh, traveling and, and filming, so I just, I just want to take a, a nice little break and, and hopefully tackle that comedy, so you can all see me being a dork. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, where do we get your calendar? Uh, so, my garage calendar, um, and I always like to say it's oversized, so it's, I made it bigger than the average desk calendar because it's meant to be for a garage or a shop and um, I always like to add that it's wife and girlfriend friendly so (laughs) nothing racy or scandalous I'm just in cool clothes with cool cars and you can find it at ajcalendars.com is your car in there is diva in there oh of course the diva is for sure in it she's um, in the month of August I originally thought I wanted her to be on the cover. Yeah. Uh, but once I shot, I actually shot uh, one of the cars is uh, like a almost like a bullet Mustang. And when I saw the picture, I thought, wow, this represents me. I'm smiling. You know, there's a little bit of wind through my hair and there's this cool car. I'm in cool, just shorts and a, and a T-shirt and a pair of boots. And that I felt represented me and what the calendar is about. Um, so, um like the diva's not on the cover, but she's still definitely in um, the calendar. She definitely has her own month. Well, I think you paid enough respect to her in just putting her in it. So I, I think she'll be okay with it. Oh, yeah, definitely okay with it. <laughs> I, I heard, too, that you actually sign each one. Is that true? Yes. Um, so there's two different options when you go to the website. Um, if you get just like the, the regular signed calendar, I do sign it. So it's just an autograph inside. And also I signed the, uh, the inside. I, there's a bonus poster where okay. you can just pull it out when you're done with those months. And I signed that one too. And then there's another option to have it personalized. And I can, you just put down what you want me to say as long as it's respectful. And um, I've had a lot of fun personalized comments. I mean, there's a lot of funny people out there. And I've had a lot of fun with a lot of the personalized uh, calendars. So, but I sign each and every one of them. So you might see my fingerprints on them and, uh, and uh, my signature. So that's awesome. Yeah, but it, it was a fun calendar. Do you like set aside a... A few hours a day to do that? or How, do you <laughs> how just, many Sharpies have you burned through this year? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I honestly, I go in every week uh, to sign a new batch of orders. Oh, cool. um, so I, I definitely set aside uh, time every week to do that. I'm actually going in um, in a few days to sign my next batch of orders. So um, it's been great. Like I said, I'm grateful. I will sit there and sign all day. Uh, I mean, just the fact that people are ordering uh, my calendar has been pretty awesome. So it's, it's been fun to sign. How much, how much longer do you think they'll be available for? Um, you know, I'm doing car show circuits now. So uh, a lot of what a lot of car shows are doing is they'll buy like 500 calendars at a time. And then at the car show, I'll, we'll do a giveaway um, so I'm basically going to sell them until I run out. So I would say maybe I'll probably sell out in March. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So yeah, so they won't be available too much longer. I, I already, I mean, what I ordered is what I'm going to sell. And after that, that's it. So, cool. um, it's, it's been great. So how do people get in touch with you? And yeah, so on social media, um, I'm on Instagram, which is at Adrian Janik. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, also at Adrian Janik. And then on Facebook, it's Adrian AJ Janik. And it's all me. So if you get a response or a like or a message, it's it's a hundred percent me. You are making people's day. Every single <laughs> like you you click, <laughs> people are just winning. That's awesome. Uh, and I try and answer messages. I mean, some of the the, per, the DMs, I I do my best to answer um, a lot of them. You know, when I have the time. And then you know, there's some weird messages too, <laughs> which I don't answer because they're just a little out there and a little disrespectful. Um, but um, but the nice ones, I definitely respond to. That's awesome. That's so nice to have someone. You know, you're on a show. You're on a. You know, you're 
working really hard and you're still taking the time to not only hand sign your calendars, but you're messaging people and interacting. And I think that's really, really awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think it's important to do because I always say without the audience and the fans, the show is nothing. And you know, it's, that's, that's the least I could do. It's like, Hey, this is my way of saying thank you for their time to watch the show and making it a hit because without the audience, we're nothing. Uh, or just a random question about, about, you know, your mom life here is someone who's in the automotive industry. I, what do you daily drive? What does somebody who's exposed to that much car industry pick as their mom car? Oh gosh, my mom car. Okay. So when I first had my son, um, I had this big behemoth of a car, which was the Lincoln Navigator. Okay. I mean, it was just, it just was a big car, but it, you know, plenty of room, you know, for the stroller and all the baby gear, car seats in the middle. Um, so, and I actually had that car for 10 years. I mean, it, Lincoln Navigator, honestly, hands down, great car, never had any issues. Uh, but after a while, I was like, wow, this is a really big car. And in Los Angeles, there's a lot of driving. I mean, I was spending a lot of money on gas. I would oh, say yeah. at least a hundred bucks a week. Wow. So, you know, my, I don't have baby gear anymore. My son's 10. So I wanted to downsize to a midsize SUV because I love SUVs. I mean, it's, it's important to have a, a good, strong car. So um, just this last summer for my birthday, I bought myself uh, a Mercedes GLE uh, okay. 350, you know, just um, simple, simple mom car, you know, and I'm, I'm going to get wheels. I got, I got to spice it up because I don't want it to be too boring. And uh, so I'm going to get the wheels and I get my windows tinted Um so that that's my daily driver for like a mom car, but my fun car, I actually have an Audi R8. That's what I was hoping uh, you were going to say was your mom car. car. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that that that's my fun car, and of course I have my '68 Firebird. Um, and it's funny because my son, every now and then, he'll be like, "Mama, can you pick me up at the R8?" Or, "Mama, <laughs> can you can you like can we drive the the Firebird?" Like he just loves it. So I, I love that he loves cars and. Um, uh, and, and likes to, we like to mix it up a little bit. And luckily being in Southern California, you know, you said he's into off-roading is that is the, you know, the Mecca for all of the desert races down at, you know, Lucerne and Barstow and, you know, just some great areas down there. I'm, you know, I'm up here in the land of, of, uh, rock crawlers and I build a lot of desert trucks and haven't had the pleasure of taking any of them down to Southern California, but been on other trips and that's just, you know, a lot of beautiful country out there. So yeah, lot, oh, I rock crawled before, and I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> where did you go? Do you, do you remember where you oh went? Oh my gosh, I it's it, it, I did the show at the special for CBS Sports, and they hired me to be the host of this special. And basically, it was about going all over the United States and trying different types of racing. Okay. So I got to drift. Um, I got oh, to drift wow. with Samuel Hubinet, who's known as the Crazy Swede. And I loved it. This is my first time in a drifting car, and I didn't realize how much went on inside the car to drift. And here we are drifting and sliding at 80 miles an hour, like inches from the wall. And I thought, wow, this is cool. I love this. And I got to do uh, some rally racing with John Buffum. Um, that one was a little, I, I was a little nervous. I was like, because there's, there's trees around. But, you know, he handled the car pretty well. And then I rock crawled, um, and I don't remember his name. Was it Terry or I forgot his name? And we were in the South. I want to say mm. maybe Virginia or I, I don't remember because this was like over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we were going just rock crawling and I told him to stop because wow. I thought I was going to have a panic attack. <laughs> I thought, you stop. He's like, why? What's wrong? I go, I feel like we're going to flip over and yeah. this thing is going to just turn over and I'm, I'm just going to die. On, on a rock. What kind of and vehicle were you in? It was a Jeep. Okay. Um, Jeep. I mean, obviously he had the suspension and everything meant to rock crawl, but we were going so slow. And I don't know, I was fine drifting at 80 miles an hour <laughs> inches from a wall, but going three miles an hour rock crawling, I don't know what it was. And I told production, I go, I can't, I can't do this. I go, can I just have one diva moment and not do this? <laughs> And, and they're like, I go, I need to walk back. They're like, but base camp's like two miles away. I'm like, I don't care. I'm just, I'm, I can't do this. So I was walking down where we crawled up on the rocks and I slipped 
and oh. I fell and I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I go, <laughs> I just, I just felt the, the guy co-hosting with me. Um, he was great. He goes, I'll do it. Um, oh. I mean, it's definitely interesting. It's a whole nother ball game of how to control the vehicle to rock crawl. I mean, that's a lot of precision and skill. I mean, that's, I, I was blown away, but yet, scared out of my mind that's like this uh so that king of the hammers race is a mix of that same rock crawling but then going 80 to 100 miles an hour across the desert as well <laughs> so it's a oh, pretty God. pretty intense I, I race sit that one out yeah. i wonder <laughs> I'll, I'll if that one out i wonder if you didn't mind the drifting because it's going so fast and you don't have a lot of time to make choices and you're just kind of in the moment but rock crawling you're going so slowly getting vertical that you have so much time and it's just like tick 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 and then you're like wait a minute that's what it is yeah it's yeah, a very so fast yeah and it happened so fast you burn through the tires so fast and i was like oh that was it where yeah. rock crawler is like whoa okay way too much time to think about <laughs> totally. what can happen if you make the wrong turn yes so it just feels yeah, I think so that's, that's like, what freaked me out yeah it just feels so like I, concerning like yeah. look, when you're when you first go you're like completely sideways and all you see is the ground and you're like this is not <laughs> yeah. normal this is, this is not supposed to be this way yeah. but then the, also that's what makes people so addicted to it too because it's like that little yeah, adrenaline rush and yeah yeah it's like if i stick my arm out i could literally touch the ground yeah. but yeah. i want to keep my arms in because i want my arm yeah, yeah. <laughs> a thousand percent exactly. that's totally true well, yes well this has been really awesome i want to thank you for the taking the time to talk to us today and we can't wait to watch the newest season of overhaul and yeah, no, you see new season overhauling on uh, the Motor Trend app, and um, it's great. I mean, I hope the the audience loves what we're doing this new season, and um, it's been fun. I always, we always say we got the band back together, and um, it's like no time has passed uh, with the three of us and the A-team, so it's been fun. Cool. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you calling in today. Yeah, appreciate and, it. Thank you so much. Yeah, we look forward to watching you. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Thank you, Jay. Have a great day. So we want to let our listeners know they can get 10% off all their Rough Stuff orders using coupon code ROUGHSTUFFPODCAST. And also, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, we would love to hear them. So please send us an email, podcast at roughstuffspecialties.com.